third part of our Blue Zone series. And uh, what is Blue Zone, you might be asking. It's, um, it's a book that was written by uh, Dan Buettner. It's a secular book, but uh, Dan uh, became aware of uh, five different regions in the world where people were living longer, healthier lives. And, uh, and he came up with uh, nine different characteristics. And for many of those characteristics, we've kind of uh, um, condensed them into five principles in this sermon series uh, this, this month. But uh, one of the uh, blue zones where people are, are living longer, healthier lives is in Loma Linda, California. And that is the only blue zone in the United States. And, uh, but, uh, in these, in these blue zones, uh, we've looked at two characteristics so far. One was, um, if, as Dan interviewed centenarians, uh, people who have lived, uh, oh, to be a hundred or, or more, and that's what he found in these blue zones. There were more centenarians in these regions than other parts of the world. And, uh, and one of the, the things that he found in common with uh, these centenarians is that they had, they had a purpose in life. They had a reason for getting out of bed and living every single day. And, uh, and we looked at uh, what living on purpose or living with a purpose as believers. And God has given us uh, a reason to live, and that is to glorify him with all of our lives. And uh, so we looked at that, and then we also, last Sunday, I wasn't here, but we had a guest speaker, and Adam Groza, and he talked about the, the, uh, the body as the temple of God. And in these five regions, uh, people were um, taking care of their bodies. They were living uh, healthy lives. They were eating the right things. They were moving more. And, uh, and they saw the importance of taking care of their bodies. And we, we saw this principle in God's Word, uh, last week. And so I appreciate, uh, Adam uh, having come and, and shared, uh, last week in my absence. But, uh, you know, again, th- the Blue Zones book that Dan has written, it's a secular book. It's just focused on the temporal. It's just focused on the here and now. And that's not all that there is to life. Scripture says that God has created us with eternity in our hearts. And so, yes, it's important, it's wise to... Uh, to take care of ourselves here on earth, but uh, there is far more to life than the here and now. There is eternity to look forward to. And when we pass away from this life, and if we're standing before God in heaven, he were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? You know, the answer can't be, well, I've lived a long and healthy life. I lived to be over a hundred years old. Or, you know, I, I took care of my body. Or I went to church every weekend. I participated in the Lord's Supper. 
And those aren't going to be answers that are going to be good enough. The only answer that will allow us to be to spend eternity with the Father in heaven is what did we do with the person of Jesus Christ? You know, did we receive him by faith? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, we can't get there by works. It only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And so this is the most important. But there are some principles. You know, and when we live according to God's principles, he's going to bless our life. And there are some people, some of these regions... You know, they're not Christians. They, they're people of other faith. But if they live according to God's principles, you know, God's going to bless those choices as well. But the ultimate principle is, what have we done with God's Son? Have we lived or have we given our life to Jesus Christ? And so this morning, um, we're going to look at the third char- characteristic. And the third characteristic is the priority of family. As you look at these different people groups, family was extremely important. Centenarians and the families of centenarians put family first. They tended to marry and have children and build their lives around the core of family. We find the, the families of centenarians caring for the elderly. And uh, as the elderly had cared for those children, it was reciprocated through the children and the grandchildren later in the centenarian's life. Um, Being around family for generations was characteristic of blue zones around the world. Now, that's a bit disappointing for people who live in Ridgecrest. Because as we raise children in Ridgecrest, typically the children don't want to continue to live in Ridgecrest. You know, I, I remember our oldest daughter, Allison, who's, who's up here, who leads the worship. I remember when she graduated from high school. And she told her mother and I, I am never living in Ridgecrest again. (laughs) As she moved to Fresno to be with my mom and to go to school up there. And when she said, I am never going to live in Ridgecrest again, there wasn't a tone of sadness. She was serious. I am never going to live at Ridgecrest again. But then the funny thing happened. Along came little Logan. And uh, raising that little boy, and Allison thought in her, her mind, you know what? Ridgecrest doesn't sound too bad. And it was more, I think, because her mother was here than me. But uh, how thankful we we uh, we are that uh, they they move back here, but that's not the story for everybody. I mean, our oldest son, uh, when he graduated and went away to school, he said he was never going to live in Ridgecrest again. And 
And by golly, he means it. <laughs> He's He wanted to go to the big city, and uh, we had an opportunity to see him in San Francisco last week. I'll be sharing a little bit more in a moment. But uh, Kyle is uh, doing very well in San Francisco. But, uh, but, you know, that's not the story for everybody. You know, you have children that you've raised here, and they said they weren't going to live in Ridgecrest anymore, and by golly, they're not living in Ridgecrest. And so you've got children, and you've got grandchildren spread all over California or the United States, and uh, it is very different from for you. And uh, this morning, you know, I just want to encourage you that um, your journey doesn't have to be a journey of grief and loss. There's more of life yet to be lived for you, even if you don't have immediate family here in Ridgecrest. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. It, uh, it's not the end. And, uh, and there's more life yet to live. But, but I understand, you know, the, the, the transition, the, the change that occurs when children grow up and leave. You know, I remember when, um, when Trevor um, went away to college. That was, that was a bit traumatic for Susan and I. Because uh, Trevor had been an athlete in, in high school, and, and we loved going to all his different games. He played three different s- sports, and so we were constantly on the road his uh, high school life. And when he graduated, went away, you know, that suddenly stopped. You know, we still had Emily at home, but uh, she had kind of given up on sports in her senior year. And, uh, and so it was... Uh, it was different. It was a huge ad- adjustment. And there's some of you this morning who are still going through that adjustment. I mean, your kids have been gone for quite a while, but today you kind of find yourself in a rut. You know what a rut is? A rut is a grave with the ends kicked out. And God doesn't want you to live your life in a rut do you identify with this? Someone wrote, we get out of the same old bed, put on the same old clothes, walk to the same old table, eat that same old breakfast, pack that same old lunch, put those same old kids on the bus, kiss that same old spot spouse. I didn't write this, dear. <laughs> Drive that same old car to that same old job, get off that same old... Uh, get off the same old time, drive down that same old street, pull into that same old drive, have that same old dinner, watch that same old program, get into that same old bed, then get get up the same old next morning to do the same old thing all over again. That's a rut with the ends kicked out. That is a grave. And it kind of reminds me of... Um, two hunters that uh, had gone hunting and uh, they'd gone elk hunting and uh, they were uh, the pilot had uh, dropped them off this particular point 
and uh, he had made arrangements for coming back to pick them up after their their hunt and uh, and these two hunters had a really successful hunt. They had killed six uh, bull elk. And the pilot came back, and uh, the hunters were loading uh, all their gear and, the, and their game on the on the plane. And uh, they were getting ready to put, you know, their last two elk. They'd put in four on the plane, last two on the plane. The pilot said, "Hey guys, you can't put all six elk on this plane. Um, we're not going to be able to take take off. We're not going to be able to fly with that much weight. You're going to have to let two of these bull elk." Stay here. And the guys were a bit indignant and said, Hey, wait. The pilot last year, uh, when we had shot six elk, he let us put all six on the plane. In fact, this plane is the same model number. Uh, it has the same capacity. And the pilot finally said, Well, okay, put all six on the plane. And so the pilot goes to take off and can hardly get up in the air and it crashes and one of the hunters is getting off and he's asking the other guy hey do you know where we are and the other hunter says yeah i think we're about in the same spot we crashed last year (laughs) oh you guys will get that joke later that's a really good joke but you know life doesn't have to be the same old same old. You don't have to live in a rut if uh, life has transitioned for you. you know, that was one of the things that Dan Butner found in these blue zones, that uh, these centenarians, there was not one centenarian that they, he interviewed that was old, crusty, and grouchy. They all thoroughly enjoyed life. It kind of reminds me of the story of Caleb in the Old Testament. If you turn to Joshua chapter 14, uh, Caleb was one of uh, two spies that had survived the wilderness. And the reason why Caleb and Joshua had survived the wilderness before they were about to enter the promised land is because they had believed the promises of God. They believed that when uh, 40 years earlier, when they were asked to go scout out the territory, these two guys brought back a positive report. But there were... Ten other spies, and they bought, brought back a negative report. And the people, the children of Israel, believed the ten uh, negative spies. And so God told that generation that uh, you are all going to pass away, and there there were only going to be two survivors uh, beyond beyond all of you and their children who were going to go into the promised land. And that was Caleb and Joshua. So here we are in Joshua chapter 6. And it's, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. And it's 45 years later now. And I want to read beginning with verse 9. 9 through 12. Caleb says this to Joshua. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden 
shall be an inheritance for your you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he, is, has, as he said these 45 years since the time the Lord had spoken this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old, and I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord has spoken on this day. This is Caleb's heart in life. He has life yet to live. He has just as much energy at 85 that he did at 40 years old. Life is worth living. And it wasn't easy for Caleb. Think about having been in the wilderness when God had said, this generation is going to pass away. You know, Numbers chapter uh, 26, verse 65 says, you're all going to die except Caleb and Joshua. Caleb lost all of his friends. Caleb lost all of his family. Apparently not even his family at that time believed their report. And they all passed away. That wasn't easy. For 45, 40 years, Caleb witnessed this. But Caleb is still full of life. There is life yet to be lived. God has given Caleb a new family, and he wants to provide for their inheritance. Give me that hill. I want to go and conquer it so that my family can have an inheritance. Friends, don't live in a rut if if life has dramatically changed for you and the children are all gone. What do you do when the children are grown and gone? I hope this message encourages you this morning. Because the Bible says in in Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, it's not in your outline this morning, 35 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. God wants to give you a new reason to live. That there is life yet to be lived. And I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54, verses 1 through 3. These are God's words uh, spoken through Isaiah. Um, And, you know, Isaiah has been... been conveying to the people of God that uh, there is going to be, God is bringing a chastisement on his people because uh, they haven't believed God. God's going to discipline them. But that discipline isn't going to last forever. And 
This is what God says following Isaiah 53 and the, and the, and the prophecy of the suffering servant. Verse 54, chapter 54, verse 1 says, Sing, O barren one who do not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who, who have not been in labor. You know, maybe this morning your children are all gone and, and you, you feel like barren parents or grandparents. For the children of the desolate one will be more. That means it's not over for you. If you don't have children or grandchildren here, your, your offspring can be more than the, the, the parents who have children. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. God says, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations. Basically what Isaiah is saying Don't live your life in a rut. Extend the curtains of your habitation. Who are some others you can adopt into your family so that you can continue to be a person of influence and to love on other people? As we look at these centenarians and those who are getting close to be centenarians, there's no such thing as retirement in these blue zone regions. No, they want to be people of influence. They want to encourage and they are encouraging others. They're not living lonely, isolated, forgotten lives. They're well connected to family and to friends. Next week, we're going to be looking at uh, healthy social relationships outside of the family. You need to be here next week because this this is important. This uh, The fourth principle next week. And that's what God wants to do with our life. Two objects up here. I went to the store this morning, and I uh, thought I was going to buy a, a little bottle of waddle, waddle, water. And I thought, you know what? This looks better instead. Uh, Starbucks vanilla double shot energy. I drank the whole can in about five minutes, and I feel really good right now. I think this is going to be a habit on Sunday mornings from now on. But I've got this this uh, 15 ounce can, empty can, and I have this balloon. Which object is bigger? The can is bigger, isn't it? Which which object can retain more fluid? 
the balloon. How can the balloon that's smaller retain more fluid? It expands. It's stretchy, isn't it? And that's the way God wants us to live our lives. He wants us to be adaptable. He wants us to be expandable. Now, when you read Isaiah chapter 54, and it says to expand your tent, you know, the Bible describes our bodies as a tent, but that's not a proof text for gaining weight here in this passage of Scripture, okay? So don't leave here thinking that's what I said. That's not what I I said. But he wants us to be elastic. He wants us to expand our tent curtains. He wants us to incorporate others into our lives. And if your children and grandchildren are all gone, it doesn't have to be over for you. God wants to make your life more fruitful than those who have children. But in order to do so, you've got to expand your influence and invite other people into your life. I don't want to be like this can. You know, this can is very hard inflexible. It can be cold, crusty. Jesus had had words about being a flexible person. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, Jesus says this, Neither is wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wine skins, so both are preserved. Why can't you put new wine into old wine skins? Because the wine is still fermenting. You know, it's still bubbly. It still is giving off gas and has a tendency of expanding. And if you put that new wine into an old, crusty, dried-up wineskin, that wineskin is going to burst and you're going to lose the wine. God wants his people to be elastic. He wants us to be able to adapt and change and uh, make space for new. You know, God is always up to a new thing. I heard a pastor say yesterday at the High Desert Baptist Associational meeting, and I agree with him. I want to be part of a church where my kids want to go to that church. I want to create the kind of environment of a church that the next generation wants to come to. I want to be able to worship with my grandkids. And what that means is I can't always have it my way. It's not about my preferences. 
it's not about my choices, but it's going to be what is going to help us reach the next generation. And I don't want to be an old, crusty, old person. And my kids and grandkids don't want to be around. And that's not what Dan Butner found in blue zones around the world. And that's not what God, who God, who God wants us to be here at Emmanuel Baptist Church. What can we do to reach the next generation? To be here for the next generation. Because I don't want my kids and grandkids going elsewhere saying that church doesn't communicate my language anymore. That church is too dated. And that doesn't mean we change the truth. The truth never changes, church. Methods change, but never God's principles. And you're going to be hearing a little bit more about that on October 30th as I cast vision uh, and as we look at what we believe God is leading us to do as a church over this next year and into the future. But that's what, that's what Dan Butner found. And this is what God's word says. We, we need to be elastic. And so you need to be asking yourself the question, who is my family? It's not just those that I stay in contact with but are in different parts of the U.S. or around the world. You've got family right here. You've got family in the nursery. And we need volunteers in the nursery to help with those little ones so that new families who are dropping those little ones off can come here and feel comfortable knowing that their children are safe, being well cared for so that they can hear the word of God. You know what old crusty people say? Been there, done that. It's time for somebody else to step up. No. We need to be people like Caleb. Says there's life yet to live. God, use me. So there's little ones back there in that nursery. There's little ones in the Iwana program in Children's Church on Sunday morning. And we need all, all adults, all kinds of adults. You may not be able to get on the floor and play with those kids, but you can sit in a chair and you can listen to a little little guy repeat his memory verse that he's been working on this week so that he can earn a badge in Awanas or, or bucks for the Awana store. You can do that. Family are the teenagers that are in the, our youth youth area learning God's word. And we need, we need adults who can get in those smaller group with those kids and know those kids' names and share the word of God as God has been pouring into you that week so that you can invest in somebody else. That's family. Family 
is the exercise group that gets together on Mondays and Wednesdays and Thursdays here at the ministry center. They come together for, is it 45 minutes to exercise in the multi-purpose room? You don't have to stay home and and stay frozen and glued to that couch or that chair. You need to get up and move. And you can come down here and be with some other senior adults, family members, and exercise a little bit. Loosen up those lungs. That's family. Family is over in Belisera. And many in that in that facility are a forgotten generation. And God has strategically placed this church, Kitty Quarter, to Belisera so that we can minister to them. And uh, we are in conversation with a hospital right now at creating, and I'll be talking more about this, a third space. A third space is a is a is a place in the community um, where people from the outside can get, just come and gather and socialize with each other, build relationships. We want to create a, a third space in that shaded area between our property and Belisera. And uh, we've talked to Ratna. The CDC wants to get involved with this. The hospital wants to get involved with this. But uh, we're going to create a little amphitheater in that shaded area over with, over there where the, the preschoolers in our daycare um, can go and sing to the residents who come out to that third space to uh, interact with the preschoolers. There's going to be some um, cement... Uh, picnic tables, kind of like card tables, where wheelchairs can wheel underneath, and uh, and then benches where preschoolers can sit and and color and visit with the senior adults, and uh, where both age groups, where both generations, can interact with each other. Uh, I think it's going to be a beautiful ministry, and I've read articles where today. Um, uh, facilities are creating um, uh, senior adult centers with uh, child care under the same roof so that both age groups can come and interact with, it, with each other. It's just a healthy environment for both. Well, we're going to create that uh, between us and Belisera, where that interaction, that ministry can take place. Family is those who are physically unable to come to the service this morning but are members of this church, and we call them our homebound. And it's our touch of love ministry. And we need additional uh, people to go and visit them uh, once a week. And if this is something that you can do and help us with, please uh, see uh, uh, Susie's, uh, what's Susie's last name? Frank, yes. Please see Susie Frank, and uh, she'll get you on the list, the rotation schedule. But that's family. That's a way that you can expand the, the, the tent cords, the, the curtain of your tent to bring other people in. Life groups. 
is family. And if you're not part of a, of a life group, please come next Sunday. This will encourage your heart. You need to find a life group. Susan and I were in San Francisco this last uh, weekend at Kyle's church. And uh, we are so encouraged by the the church that Kyle is now serving in, in the heart of of San Francisco. It is a a beautiful picture of family. Uh, Had a great worship service. There's probably about 30 people in the service last Sunday. And they had a, a church meeting following the service. And, and the pastor of that church asked, uh, asked the folks, you know, what, what good things are happening in our church right now? And you should have heard the people share. I mean, th- this church is, is it's filled with young professionals. They've left family. Uh, they've left loved ones. And they've come to the, the, the heart of San Francisco to for employment and to provide for their family. And when they came to the big city, they didn't know a soul. And San Francisco can be a big, cold, scary environment when you don't know anybody. And they talked about that. And when they came to this church and when they got involved in the life group, tears came in their eyes and said, you have become family to us. If it weren't for this church, if it weren't for our life group, I don't know what we would be doing in this big city. You know what? We're not San Francisco, but those same needs are here in our community. People move to Ridgecrest, the desert, not because they have family here, They came here for a job, not knowing anyone. And God wants to use our church. He wants to use people in this church to expand their tent cords and invite others in to their family. And so we heard that and it was, it was just a beautiful, a beautiful service, a a beautiful meeting. We have Thanksgiving coming up in just a few weeks. I want to encourage you that um, if it's just your family, don't just make it a part of your family. Who else could you invite to your dinner table on that Thanksgiving day? Kyle called it a Friendsgiving we need to make it a Friendsgiving. Maybe you're a senior adult who's alone, and maybe you want to invite a family in this church who would otherwise just be by themselves and have them come into your home. Susan and I have done that over the years, and, um, you know, I think of a, the Gages, who just a year ago moved back to St. Louis. Um, they didn't have family out here. And uh, and our family adopted them. 
And um, it was special. Holidays were special. Them being incorporated into our family for those those days. And that's what God wants us to do as a church. And yeah, it was hard when they moved away. But you know what? There's other people yet to invite to our dinner table where God can use us again in somebody else's family or life. So don't make this Thanksgiving this year just be all about you. Make it a Friendsgiving. And so I want you to take that connection card. And if you're willing to host a family, um, but you don't know who to invite, and you'd like it for us to connect you with somebody, um, let us know on that card. And, and if you're here this morning, and, and you don't want to spend Thanksgiving alone, and you'd like to... to uh, to be part of somebody else's family on that on that day, let us know, and we'll do some connecting. If if uh, you're having a hard time connecting with somebody uh, already, but God wants us to be flexible. He wants us to expand expand our influence and invite other people into our lives. He wants us to be like Caleb. And not just hanging up and say, I'm retired, and I'm just going to coast the rest of my life. That's not what you find in blue zones. Centenarians are thriving in their old age because they have a purpose for living. They are continuing to take care of themselves, and they are well-connected to others. You don't have to just live a life of survival. You can thrive in your adult years. Henry Ward Beecher, a pastor, said this, Be young until you die. So far as energy, persistence, ambition, and augmentation of resources are concerned, there are some things that curl over easily in the autumn. Their leaves become dried and fall off before there are any signs of frost in the air. I do not like such vegetables. I do not have them in my garden. Others carry their green leaves clean down into freezing before they give up. These I like. And I like to see men that can look at God's frost and not be blighted but remain green and succulent and growing even into the edges of winter. May God give us a heart like that, a heart like Caleb. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your principles. God, help us Help us to be people who are adaptable, who are expandable, who are loving and warm and want to extend our borders to incorporate others into our lives. Help us, God, to be people of influence, who are caring and not just focused on ourselves.
I don't want to be like this Starbucks can't. That's hard and crusty and inflexible. God, help me to be that new wineskin. Help those in our, our congregation to be that, that new wineskin that you want to pour new wine into. That we might be containers that glorify you and not burst and lose all the new wine. God, if there are people here this morning who are lonely, who are struggling, who look at other family, and, and Lord, there's, there's jealousy or resentment because others have something that they don't. God, help them to stretch out their curtain and discover the family you still have yet for them. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.